Hello, everybody, and thank you for coming on to another episode of The Female Fist. I have a veteran with us today, somebody that I've known for years, since before I even started competing, and she has such an amazing, exciting, and colorful story that I'm so excited to share with everybody. Please welcome Mackenzie Wright. How are you doing, Mackenzie? What's up, Scarlett? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I can't wait to see you for training later. See you Friday. <laughs> so what's been going on with you? Like I haven't even really been able to catch up about all of your stuff. Like every time we go training, it's always about like down to business or we're always talking mm-hmm. about like what's going on right now and stuff. And it's kind of like, well, like I mentioned, we've known each other for so long. I met you when I was, I think I was like 15 when I met you. I think I was like, uh, I want to say like 2012 or 2013 we met. That's going back. I'm pretty sure before that, to be honest, because I think around that time, my father was already coaching out of other gyms. It was right at that transition part. I like that. We kind of, we kind of like cross ship. We were like ships in the night, just like crossing. Yeah, it's true. But you were already already in the boxing world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. like when I met you, like you already had like, like a lot of experience. So actually I kind of want to rewind a little bit and talk about like, why did you start your journey in boxing in the first place? Um, like how did I get started in the sport in general? Yeah. Because I mean, when I talk to you, you have so many amazing like talents and all these crazy stories and you have all these fun things. I mean, I'm like, well, where did this all kind of like start? Like how did this get into the mix of your life? Um, so it goes way back to high school. Um, it was very like unexpected. Um, I wouldn't say I was like the most athletic person in school sports. Like I played like field hockey team, rugby, whatever, um, but just for fun. Um, and then part of our grade nine gym curriculum is you have to do a week of self-defense. Oh, and I, did you do that? Yeah, yeah, we did that. At high school? Yeah. yeah. Um, and then after you like, so you have a full week, um, you learn all these like fighting techniques. I knew absolutely nothing about this. Um, <laughs> and then uh, the last day of this course, you have an attack day. So on attack day, you, the, the guy's gonna you go on one side of the ring and he comes and he's gonna attack you. And you have two minutes to fight him off. So like one boxing round, but you use everything, right? So most of my friends hated this. Yeah. They were like, this is awful. They hated every minute of it. I loved it. <laughs> did you love it? <laughs> I did. I loved it. You know, I was like, I was like, yo, this power. <laughs> and, you, like, um, wear like the face shield too. And like. did. Yeah. Like yeah. the Michelin, the Michelin yeah. man, like full suit. Um, yeah. So I did the two minutes of fighting this guy off. who's trying to attack you. And like after I remember my adrenaline was like so high, but I was like, this was so fun. Um, <laughs> but I think, I think it was fun for me because I felt like I was good at it. Mm-hmm. And I just think you're naturally like more drawn to like what you're good at. You're going to enjoy pulling you to that. Yeah. So after that experience, I was like, hmm, that kind of like switched a light bulb in my head. Like maybe I should get involved in some sort of martial art. Um, so oh my dad just had this random friend who was just was he knew he was involved in something but not really and it was kickboxing so I went over to my first ever like 
martial arts experience. It was at this dojo in Oakville. It was called Kick Jitsu. And it was half half jiu-jitsu, half kickboxing. Okay. I didn't want anything to do with jiu-jitsu though. Like not my thing. I just I just wanted to like hit to strike. Yeah. And um I didn't like the idea of like belts and rankings. I was just like, just put me in there. Um so uh, yeah, I started going to just like the the fitness classes. I was like, okay, this is fun. Like I want to I want to hit somebody. And then I saw after class, like the advanced people, I saw them sparring. I had no idea what was happening. And I was like, that's what I want to do. Oh. So from so I trained for I trained in kickboxing for about two years. And then from there I started having my first ever kickboxing fights. And it was it was right around the time like they didn't even allow like full contact kickboxing in Ontario. Um was that what year was this? 2007 maybe oh God, I, was I think <laughs> I'm not gonna say how old I was <laughs> um, <laughs> like, like I just think like oh my god this is like so long ago like you've been doing this even yeah. before like I thought you know what I mean but go on yeah this is like going back into the archives and um yeah so I started I started kickboxing um and with that I mean like there wasn't as much competition so like I got on the provincial team with like um, just a handful of fights, right? There was only so many girls that, and at a, such a high caliber, like it wasn't that big a deal at the time, but I got on the provincial team from there, I got onto the national team. So I was able to do a lot of like, get around and do some traveling um, for kickbox. And I got to have some like international experience. Um, but like I said, there wasn't that many girls and it was just like not really that recognized compared to what it is now. So um, I was just fighting the same girl over and over, a girl from Kingston. And uh, I was just like, how many more times do I want to fight? Hi. How many more times do I want to fight the same girl? So that's how I ended up just crossing over into boxing just so I could stay active. Um, and yeah, so about a, a, maybe a year later, I'd only had two or like maybe two, maybe three kickboxing fights in my first year. Um, wow. And I and I crossed over into boxing and then I was able to start getting more fights. There was actual tournaments um, with, you know, an actual pool of girls. There was more higher competition. So then I made the switch. I was like, I like boxing better anyways. More competition, more girls, there's funding, like it's Olympic recognized. So boxing is for me. Organized, a little bit more like updated and stuff. Like, cause I know like yeah. now, like the kickboxing community is still not like you want to compare it with the boxing community. That's no, like, they definitely like evolve, but they're still like, yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not that it's the end all be all, but like, it's not an Olympic, uh, recognized sport so there's just like there's less funding there's less gyms there's just less into it in this country anyway so right and um so when you made that transition over to boxing what was the first gym that you went to specifically just for boxing um so I was I was boxing out of Burlington um for my I don't know first my 20 20 bouts or something like that um and well, then bouts. <laughs> what's that that's a significant amount of bouts <laughs> honestly I was active I was like don't like, like, put, put me in there well also the rules were a little different I feel like such like a old timer being like 
Back when I was. over here, like, really? It was no, it was it was like it was more like loose. So there was no, I mean, you could upgrade from novice. You could upgrade from being a youth. So I had two novice, I think, youth fights. Okay. And then it was just like, screw this, we're not doing this. And I hopped into open senior women's class. So I could get I could get a lot more fights um yep. just hopping around and weight and stuff as well um anyways circling back yeah uh so i had about 20 i had about 20 maybe 30 tops uh fights out of my old gym in burlington and that's when um i was like i don't want to kickbox anymore like it was just it was just time to switch gyms and um so i actually knew joey de los reyes from combat arts because i had traveled with him for kickboxing Mm -hmm. and i knew that uh his gym combat arts in mississauga like they do it all right they're a mega gym like they've got the more traditional martial arts filipino martial arts but they had kickboxing and they had a boxing curriculum and i knew joey so it's a little bit more comfortable so i went over to there and this is when uh yeah you were kind of on your way out of combat arts yeah and I was just coming in and um yeah there's the boxing program was kind of in limbo and that's when Sean Fulgencio yeah <laughs> uh, he kind of scooped me up and we just sort of we really clicked we really got along he was a young guy then and uh, still a young guy but um <laughs> <laughs> we really we really hit it off and like he got my style I got his style so I worked with Sean, um, maybe five or six years, cool. all at Combat Arts. Yeah, until I uh, until I took a break from the sport. <laughs> yeah, and like, um, what were the differences for the tra- in the training, like as opposed to kickboxing? Like, for example, when your coach like doing the kickboxing, how did you yeah. find? That, like, did you find that you were doing more workload in boxing, even though you were taking away the legs, or like, how did you find that difference in training? Um. For me, like, I was never a great kickboxer. <laughs> like, I, didn't, I, I, I wasn't. I didn't kick much. Really? Like, yeah. I, I had a few uh, one-hit wonders that were like TKOs by kicks. I don't know how that happened because <laughs> I would, I would box in my kickboxing. It yeah. was my strength. My hands were way better than my feet. So. I, I mean, in kickboxing, it was to the point they were taking away points from me because I wasn't throwing enough kicks. I was just boxing. Okay. So in that sense, it didn't really change. The biggest change for me was I actually got picked up by um, a strength and conditioning coach. He okay. noticed me at Combat Arts. So this was Daniel Thiessen. Okay. And um, I started working with him. And that was, you know, we started amping up my intensity. We started doing a proper uh like weights program like I was this gangly gangly little girl and then, uh, we and started there were like flex poses on Instagram know, right? now <laughs> so like uh working with an actual strength and conditioning program that was the biggest difference for me um but so the kicking training not so much I didn't kick anyways Okay. So it wasn't really, too, okay. I see what you're saying. Cause even if you say, let's say hypothetically with the kickboxing and let's say you just got a strength and conditioning coach, it fundamentally, you probably would have been doing the same stuff, but you just, cause you were using just your hands anyways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I would do some like 
you know, kicks on the bag. That'd be it. That'd be the only difference. <laughs> 50 kicks one side and then 50 kicks the other side. Okay, I'm good. Call it a day. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that's fair enough. So you took a break and I remember not seeing you. Like I remember when I was going to like provincials, I was going to Brampton Cup. I was going to like, I was getting my stuff in, but I, but yeah. I knew you and I yeah. I noticed that people, some people were not in the scene anymore. And I remember you being one of them. And then I heard like a few years go by. It's like, oh yeah, Mackenzie, she's, she's living in another country right now. And I was like, oh, okay. So want to talk about that a bit? Yeah. So being, uh, okay. we got to backtrack a little bit. Okay. When I was, when I was kickboxing, yeah. uh, I did get to travel with their national team and I got to go on some really cool international trips and one of them was South Africa <laughs> and so we went there with the team I purely went like this is business like I'm there to fight no other reason really I had no interest in going to South Africa um I didn't really care where the destination was I just wanted to fight right and then when we got there we did the fights um and then we had a little bit of downtime and we went on some safaris and right. I was just like I don't know for me, it just like sparks this like real interest. I was like, yeah, we saw some rhinos. Rhinos. Oh my. Hi, Luna. <laughs> um, <laughs> my rhino. <laughs> yeah, I feel a rhino. Uh, yeah, we saw some rhinos. And like, I just thought this was the coolest thing of all time. So I was like, okay, I want to come back here. Um, it just really sparked this passion that I had no idea I had. Um, oh, cool. I was like, I was like, I really need to come back here, but just like on personal time. So after I finished college, um, I did go back to South Africa and I had like the most amazing visit of my life. I was like, oh, I got to come back here again. Yeah. So the next trip, two years later, I went for a month um, and I went up into Zimbabwe and Botswana um, because Botswana is the elephant of the world. Sorry, sorry, one second. The uh, you're kind of cutting out a little bit. One second. Yeah, you're kind of cutting out just a little bit. Let me check I'm not having luck with the internet these days. I can hear you, but your camera's frozen. Can you let me switch to death. Oh, there we go. Yep. Hey, wait, you're a little bit pixeled, a little bit. Should I switch to Pardon? Hello? Shoot. Oh, there we go. Perfect. Perfect. I can't hear you. Oh, wait, your mic is off? There, there we go. Perfect. Okay. Right, we're back. Technical difficulty. All right. Just cut that out. You went to Zimbabwe and then you kind of cut off. Okay. I went to Zimbabwe. Um, yeah. And then same thing happened again. I was like, I, I have a certain love and passion of the wildlife here that I just like, it's, I don't know. It's my drawing. It's my, like, I'm drawn to it. It's my calling. So I ended up moving to South Africa. <laughs> um, I love that. You just know fear, like right yeah. 
like Oakville, Burlington, Ontario, South Africa. Yeah, like sometimes you just have to like, you just have to risk it for the biscuit. So you just have to move continents sometimes. So um, yeah, the last four years, (laughs) the last four years um, I've been living, uh, I was actually working for a tour company. So I got to tour and travel um, the eight southern countries of the African continent um, with with tourists and um, yeah, like try my best to find them animals, tell them all about the animals. Like I had to study this stuff, um, learned a lot about birds, learned a lot about the animals. Um, and uh, yeah, that's pretty much my life. It was pretty chaotic because it was on the road all the time. Like half the time I didn't have water or electricity or um I don't know, a bath, like anything can happen, right? How was that working out with like, what were like the living conditions where you work? Uh, like, how did that all work out over there? I'm very like, I don't know anything about like that part of the world. Um, It, it kind of depends where you are. Like there'd be a few days where, you know, I would send a text to my family and just say, hey, you're not going to hear from me for five days because we have no service. Like you're out. There's nothing developed in that area. Uh. But if you but if I mean if you're in Johannesburg or you're in Cape Town like then yeah there's there's wi-fi everywhere there's restaurants like there's Starbucks and (laughs) all that (laughs) stuff so it it really depends where you are um about the last year I spent living in Cape Town so I was at in an actual house um with actual you know facilities (laughs) and like were you living on your own throughout this whole time or like were you living with people too well, I mean, on the road, I was going from hotel to hotel. So I was, I would have a new group of uh, travelers with me like every three weeks. Um, and I'd be paired with, uh, with, um, with different guides and drivers to work with. Oh my God, that's crazy. That's like so interesting that you, <laughs> so cool. Like how often, like, I don't know. I've never really met anybody that's just like, yeah, I'm just going to I got the move and then they just went and had this whole it happens so opposite you know that's amazing and uh, uh, yeah. did you ever go to any of like boxing gyms down there like or how did like because I, I know you went down there to fight with the kickboxing yeah um there was there was a uh, one boxing gym it was called blood sweat and tears oh. and uh <laughs> it was right in Cape Town and I, I just went there like once or twice, but it was pretty far away. I was yeah. like, yeah, um, I did find a gym by my house in Cape Town and they had a heavy bag. So I would be- commandeer that. And that was about it. Though. Like boxing, like a big thing in the community at all or like any combat no. sports? No, no. I mean, a little bit. I, I, I can't really say because I wasn't really involved, you know? Fair um maybe it's bigger for the guys but like for girls right right right, 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 right. <laughs> <laughs> so you never wanted to try and do like a bout out there or anything like that for boxing honestly no um also with just with the schedule like their trainer at blood sweat and tears um he was a pro he was from zimbabwe and he was like i would love to get you a fight like we're hosting a, like a card in like a month but i was always in and out on the road like I couldn't commit to a training schedule by any means. The most training I would get is I had a pair of like gymnastics rings right? and I would hang them in a tree and do pull-ups in the tree. Nice. Nice. <laughs> so that's about, this is yeah. 
just going to South Africa, hanging out with doing you. bullets in a tree. Bullets in a tree. <laughs> Got to risk it for the biscuit. <laughs> you do. You do. <laughs> this is so awesome. I want to yeah. go to South Africa with you. This would be so much 10, out, 10 out of 10 would recommend to visit. So. No, I've always wanted to, like, I think just because, like, I have no knowledge, like, I've traveled to, like, hmm. Europe, I've traveled to Asia, I've traveled to, like, so many different places, all, whatever, I just, there's some areas that I never thought about, and then when I hear that people go there, like, for example, South Africa, like, I never thought about going to that region of the world, and that, like, here in yeah. the, it's, like, I'm curious, like, I want to know what it's like. I would say, like, my whole, like, I, I came home, and I've now moved back to Canada, because, um COVID just like changed all my life plans um like it did for so many people because of COVID sorry like the main reason why you came back because of COVID. yeah yeah um I mean it was at the point like last year it was like red alert all over the world and Justin Trudeau's like all Canadians abroad get back immediately um because borders are closing and you might not get back in so um I we just didn't know what was happening so I was like I didn't want to come home. I'm glad I came home. <laughs> uh, like in the, at the, at the time, like nobody knew. Right. So I was like, Oh, maybe it won't be that serious. Like um, your family's here and like, God forbid, you know, and then you couldn't get back in or something if you needed to see them. Well, he, here's the thing too, is the healthcare in these third world countries, right? Like it's just not reliable. Um, so I didn't want to get in any sort of trouble in that department either. So we just decided like, I'll come home when I can get back there, I'll get back there. Um, but I've obviously ended up staying here. Um, we're pivoting. So uh, yeah, I got on the second, second last flight out and then they locked their borders for like five months or something, Woo! six months. You just That's made it. Yeah, I just made it. You were destined come back you were destined to be back in part of the sport I, I missed it I missed it to be honest but um yeah I would say like it's it's South Africa in general um is one of like the most beautiful countries I've ever seen in my life that's why I kept going back until I stayed for a while um like but it's a very 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 different experience to visit it as like a tourist, like for us to come in and just like, you know, live our best life for two weeks. Right. Um, it's a very different experience to visit than it is to live. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've had some conversations with people where just like, they're like, I thought Cape Town was a very like first world country. And it is, but it isn't. Yeah. Um, like what, if you go on Instagram, you'll see like, oh, it looks, un it looks amazing, right? But um. Cape Town in general has millions and millions of people living in uh, the townships, right? You don't see that on Instagram um, where a hundred people share a tap. Um, you know, like, I mean, the country has, when I was there, it was like maybe like 20 or 30% unemployment rate. Like it's rough, right? And with that comes, uh, comes poverty, comes violence. Like it's, it's a lot different to live there. And um, I would always be complaining and like, like phoning home, just like I've, we ran out of water again for the 10th day in a row. Um, they were shutting off the taps because uh, Cape Town was the first country that in the, or the first city in the world that was going to run out of water for 3 million people. Like stuff just doesn't work there. 
um, the way it works here. Like we, we turn on a hot, a hot shower, like instant there, we're boiling our water just to drink it. Like, <laughs> right. and I guess like that also created a deeper appreciation on your end, like just even mm -hmm. looking at it, because of course we can all, you know, study this stuff, let's say we can all like research about the stuff, about the realities and hear people's stories. But then the mm -hmm. fact that you actually yeah. there and experienced it firsthand, you have a completely different yeah outlook on this it's now that you're back here too yeah like I'm I've definitely been humbled um and just a lot more appreciative for the little things like like we have electricity through the whole day right that wasn't a thing for us there they shut it off for hours at a time to save their power grids because of corruption they're not maintained so there's no electricity half the time and there's no water half the time but I've spoken to other people who are visiting other countries like like Uganda and they're walking for four hours for water. So I was in like the hub where things were good right. and it was still really challenging. Bad. It was still really challenging. And the other aspect was like, even me being like a fighter, like, you know, a bit of fights, whatever, like boxing fights, like, I like to think I'm tough ish. And I did not feel safe. <laughs> I did not feel safe. Like, I couldn't, I couldn't walk to the grocery store without pepper spray in my pocket. Like it's, it's just a reality being like interactions or like confrontations or. I, I, I mean, every time, again, every time I walk to the grocery store, I would be harassed for sure. Um, and I also like, I had to watch where I would speak. So I normally wouldn't speak just because of my accent. Mm -hmm. um that would you know kind of be like you know the color of my skin I'm a female and I'm foreign like it's I'm I'm a prime target right um it, but it's just the areas that you're in like you don't go out after dark um but there, I did have one incident in Johannesburg I just happened to be in the wrong place wrong time um and our uber was surrounded by men and um they they slammed our driver in and stole his keys and I thought we were all gonna get robbed and um luckily we didn't but I don't know what ended up happening to the uber driver we I don't know I don't know it was scary they he pulled into the wrong parking lot and they're like you're not allowed to be here you will give you your keys back if you give us like 150 bucks so we gave him the money we had. Yeah. So I, I don't know. But that, that was really the only scary, scary incident. That's other than cool. like, I've. That wouldn't happen here in Toronto, let's say. I mean, I guess it could, but like, not really. Like, that's not something. Really I mean, things happen. Things happen everywhere. Like, will I walk around Toronto at 10, 10 or 11 o'clock by myself? Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess I won't tell you my stories. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, <laughs> Yeah, probably not. But like, I mean, there's just a lot more poverty. So there's more de desperation, right? So like, I, I don't want to say like, I understand, like it makes sense. Yeah. yeah. You just definitely have to be a lot more aware. But that's- And then I got a pair of boxing gloves stolen. I was really upset about that. <laughs> you have to get that in. Somebody stole my box, and that was really irritating me. <laughs> they did. They broke. They broke into the car, and they told my took my boxing gloves of everything. In that incident. What's that? Did you get in that incident? No, I I wasn't at the car. 
okay. Yeah, but I was like, I was like, these are nice gloves. You're just gonna sell them. You're not gonna use them. Like, <laughs> no, no respect. No respect. <laughs> uh, but bigger picture. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, of course. And like that's that's still that's still so traumatizing to even experience something like that because we do come from a luxury lifestyle over here. These are not things. To and we don't get like it's not like we're seeing these things over here on a daily basis in front of us where it's desensitized so something like that to happen to you is of course still like whoa and then kind of like a wake-up call I would imagine right yeah um like it definitely made me come home and realize like everything that I took for granted just as far as walking down the street like um being a female and wearing what I want to wear without being like targeted and like I'm not saying everything's perfect here but just in comparison like I came home I was like yeah I get it and I get it such a free country you know the things do the thing the the fact that you and I as we've mentioned like we could I'm not you know obviously like you said everything happens everywhere but you and I technically could walk through the street Toronto we have like so much more opportunities for let's say somebody to help us or Mm -hmm. if if a situation were to happen because you can't just get away with things here somebody does something here that the consequences are more severe and they're they're taken fast yeah yeah for sure and that's just I mean there's a lot less I'm not saying there's none there's a lot less corruption here so um I'm happy to be home (laughs) Well, I'm happy you're back too. Then you into the sport. So, how was that? Like, when did you decide? Like, you know what? I'm gonna kind of get back into training. Like when you came back, because you know you did come back during a pandemic. So, how did that whole thing go for you? Yeah. Um. I mean, when I was living in South Africa, I would come home and visit like one or two times a year. Um. Like it's it's too far to not see my family. <laughs> and whenever I was home, I'd be like calling anybody I know. I'm like, do you want to train? Do you want to spar? Like like I always had the bug right and no, that never truly went away so whenever I was home like I'd be like hey we'll do a little three-week training camp um so like yeah I always missed the sport that that hunger never went away um but then coming back from in the pandemic um yeah there's this there's this girl you might know her name's uh Mandy Bougeau yeah, I think I've been- <laughs> I think I think I've heard of her. Um, yeah, <laughs> because she's uh, she was getting ready for at the time was 2020 Olympics, right? Um, but then it got pushed back, uh, and she like I hadn't I hadn't talked to her in quite a while um, because I was gone. But we used to train together like here and there, and I I trained with her more often when she was getting ready for the Pan Am Games. Um, and so she she sends me a message. She's like, I hear you're back. And I'm like, maybe. <laughs> What's <laughs> for Mandy? Like, like, cool, maybe. Maybe. I'm like, what's your angle? No. Um, and she was like, I'm looking for like for training partners. Like, do would you like to come and train with me? Like on um whatever day or week it was. Like, do you would would you want to come for some rounds? And I'm like, sure. What this is when this was allowed, by the way. Um, and, uh, so I may, I was a little, I was obviously very nervous and I was like, listen, like I am rusty. Like I've been out of it. And, uh, but she's like, no problem. Like we won't kill each other. Like let's, 
let's make it work. And um, yeah, so I went there and like after I was like feeling really happy about this. I was like, this is a good, I was like, I miss this feeling. This is a really good feeling. And I met her coach who is Sid Vanderpool. And then, um, yeah, we did, we had the sparring and like, I got wrecked, right? Like I just got <laughs> killed. But I was like, <laughs> I was like, I'll come back for more. I was like, if I'm invited. Yeah. And, and then, uh, yeah, I had a chat with, with Sid. He was like, are you back? what are you doing what are your plans and uh so yeah we he was like I think you should come back I'm like I think I should come back too and uh yeah I had to redeem myself from that sparring (laughs) (laughs) and from there that sort of snowballed and like now I'm there regularly at SIDFIT in Kitchener I'm and I'm training with three three champions under Sid's guidance. So yourself, Mandy, Caitlin Clark. And um, like, I've never had a, a team like this, especially of women, right? Like that's rare to find. And so we've been so lucky to have each other throughout this whole thing um, to be at that higher caliber um, and to, we all motivate each other. We were talking about this just the other week, how like, you know, if I'm only there on Fridays, but like, I know these girls are training their asses off in the week. So I'm like, I don't really want to train right now, but like, I have to bring my piece to the table. So that motivates me to keep training. And so from there, things have really like snowballed. And I think I've definitely found like the love of the sport again. Absolutely. That's one thing that I say to everybody is that, and you know, what's funny is that even though coming from completely different reasons to come into the team I understand what you mean by you rediscovered that love for the sport again because I feel like that too Sid has just a really good way of bringing us together having us work together it's like I used to take it too seriously like a job almost and I Mm -hmm. like oh this is business and I never understood the importance of like the teammates it was always so like I have my coach I have my strength and conditioning coach and I have like sparring partners and like that's my team but like my team is me and my coach and now it's like no this is what a team is all of us working together all of us motivating each other and pushing each other and pushing our boundaries Mm -hmm. and we're all having fun in the process yeah yeah like when I decided that I was going to uh, jet and move to South Africa, like, um, like I think I just kind of had enough of the sport at that time. Like, I'd been in it for uh, like over ten years at that point, and I was just like, "What am I doing? Like, <laughs> like I don't, I need I need to change. I need something different. Like, I just didn't have that like hunger that you need in order to do well in this sport. Like, this isn't I don't know." I don't want to insult any other sport. Like it's intense. Um, And you need that, that drive if you're going to be successful in it. So I think stepping away for a few years, like was actually kind of a good thing because it like re it allowed me to have a break, get away from everything and then rediscover, Oh, I actually still really love this. (laughs) Detox from like anything that was Mm -hmm. like, cause like you said, it is a buildup, like uh, training for boxing. It's, it's really hard mostly mentally because you're going into the ring knowing somebody's going to punch you in the face knowing they want to knock you out and even if you don't think about it directly it's still like you're training for 
those moments. And then like, it's like you have one shot in a span of 15 minutes to either proceed or not. It's a lot of mental stress on a fight. Nine minutes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I think the rest in between. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's just, it's it, and everything happens so fast. Like when you're like, even when we're dissecting sparring, it's like going through how the judges like point the systems, like everything goes by so fast. You have such limited time, but yet you're training for like six to eight weeks leading up for those, for that one moment. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. And like, um, especially working with Sid now, like he, I mean, he's picked up things in all of us, right. That like, I'm sure you've never been pointed out before from a different coach. Right. He's just like, what? Like I dropped my right hand. What? My knees point in different directions. Like yeah. just those little things, but also like Sid's really um, been able to pick up on my mental game. Cause that's something I've gotten away from is the mentality of being a fighter and being, as you said, ready to come in for those nine minutes of preparing for the worst, literally to make sure that you're, you perform your best. Yeah. So working with Sid, he's been able to really, uh, how do I say this? Like so narrow in on that aspect of my training because it's a skill, right? Yeah. Mental, mental training is just as much of a skill that you develop than say your job. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Training the, training the mind and the body come hand in hand. I think that training the mind is even more like, mm -hmm. I mean, to, yeah, to, to a degree, like you, we see it a hundred times over when the better fighter doesn't win, yeah. not because they're not the better boxer, but because they walked in the ring and crumbled. Yeah. Because <laughs> they weren't ready to perform at the level that they're capable of. And yeah. Like, and go on. I was gonna like that. That's that happened to me. Um, I was at a nationals and going into the ring, I was like, I was the top seed too. Like I was the favorite to win, and I'm like going into the steps, and it was a big learning curve for me. I was going, I was literally on deck. And I was like, I've forgotten something. It's like, do I do I have my mouthpiece? Do I have my water? Like, do I have do I have I have everything? And I was like going into the ring feeling like I forgot something, and I crumbled. Like I'm preoccupied. I forgot to prepare mentally. And not until I went after like this debrief, like I lost the fight to a fight that I should have won because I was the better boxer, like no disrespect, but it is what it is. <laughs> um, and, but this girl, like she, on that day, she believed that she would beat me. She believed it. She talked herself up. I forgot to, I forgot to do that for myself. Right. to like train that part and until I addressed that and was like oh this is a skill I need to work on then it was yeah I had that on my to-do list of a camp like yeah I'm working on my job I'm working on my cross I'm working on my footwork I have to work on my self-belief right otherwise like that is so important did, was it said that specifically point that out to you at this point or like did, were you always kind of told that no, this was this was my uh, first uh, boxing kickboxing coach. This is okay, okay, that, that said like you need to work on this. Yeah, because I was we were trying to he after the fight he's like, how do you feel? I'm like, I've forgotten something. This is after I lost. I've forgotten something. We had to figure out what did I forget. And so when we pinpointed, that's what I forgot. Like even though it wasn't a physical thing, it was just like 
in here. I forgot about that. Um, then he actually gave me this book and I carry this book around with me to every tournament, every match. I read it at night. It's on my bedside table and it's the cheesiest book of all time. It? It's not even a, it's not even a real book. It's like a photocopy book. What is it? What is it? It's called Winning State Wrestling. Okay. So it's not even about boxing, but so much of it like crosses over. And it's just about like channeling what they it's so cheesy. <laughs> about your it's channeling your big dog energy, okay? So like me, I don't consider myself a big dog, right? I'm quiet. Oh, you are shy. Dog. You're a big dog? You're a big dog. Do you think you're a big dog? Yeah, I'm a big dog. I think you're a big dog. <laughs> you have big dog energy. Yeah. I don't. I'm quiet. I'm just like floating through life. <laughs> oh, well, I, I don't know. I kind of see you as like, like, I think that being a leader and a big dog comes in very many forms. Like, I don't think that it's just like one shoe fits all for that specific category. I think that like it channels through in different ways. So for me... I had to learn to activate big dog energy. So maybe that's why you perceive me as being a big dog. Cause I had to, I had to hone that. Like that didn't come naturally for me. So maybe that's a little more natural now. Um, but yeah, the book's about uh, channeling that and that kind of thought instead of like, um, instead of focusing on fear, because every time you step into a ring, you're going to have doubts. You're going to have fears. You're going to have, oh did I do this right like oh this person looks really really ripped like <laughs> so instead of focusing on that like if I was if I was across from Scarlet I'd be like yo <laughs> <laughs> but you have the little abs that's where I would be like oh man she has those lower abs yeah, you wear the you wear the jersey you can't see <laughs> <laughs> oh no 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 they ripple through <laughs> sure sure so yeah, I, like instead of focusing on that, like, oh, my opponent, she, she beat this person who beat this person who beat that person, or like, she's got a really mean uppercut. Uh, <laughs> um, it's, it's just focusing like on yourself, your strength. And like, when you believe, then like, you just radiate that, that makes you a big dog. So it separates, separates the, I don't know, winning and not winning. <laughs> it does because we talked about this I think with Sid where when you reach a certain level you know both athletes at like a national level or like an international world stage you're all training like immense hours everybody knows they're putting in all the time physically Mm -hmm. and most of the times when you get to the final bouts of these major tournaments it's usually comes down to who wants it more who can stay I mean everyone's in shape yeah everyone's experience everyone's like got technique (laughs) exactly so what's yeah that's the who believes that they're going to win can be the deciding factor of a match and even us like in our team like we're all high elite level athletes but we have days we come in and we're just not mentally on and we get caught with like the silliest things where it's like you know Sid will pull us over later and be like where are you today you know like something so calm (laughs) That, that, that I think too is what makes him such a great coach is that yeah. he's so calm with his approaches and so yeah. level-minded and he brings us to our center so that we can analyze ourselves as well and like really reflect on our stuff rather than just telling at us his opinion without mm-hmm. us have our own view like he's really good at that yeah I like that word you use center like he centers us yeah 
to like pinpoint, okay, what was the problem? Not why did this happen? Like, not like the reaction, but more so like what caused this? Exactly. So now like that you're back and now we're all training and we have this amazing, phenomenal dream team that everybody's Mm -hmm. jealous. Yes, I would be too. (laughs) Yeah, I would be too if I was looking at, I would be too. I'd be like, I want to be a part of that team. Now that we're here and, you know, everything is still kind of up in the air, everything is still kind of uncertain. Do you have any goals at this point in boxing? Like, do you want to step back in the ring eventually? Like, let's say hypothetically things open up in September for boxing bouts. Is this something that you're kind of like thinking like, yeah, I want to go back into it or what, what, where is, where are you right now with this? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the big question is hypothetically what's going to happen. Right. Um, like, I mean, right now, like, I feel almost ready to go. <laughs> like, we're almost there. I've been on the Wait, what's that? Oh, thanks. <laughs> um, yeah, like, I would feel ready to go. I don't, I don't think anything's happening soon. I know. That's the reality. So um, I would love to. Um, I, I definitely, yeah, like, I've reignited the the drive and the passion and like I love I love training again um so I would love to sort of also like I've elevated my game for sure I was looking back on old videos I'm like I'm way better now than than I was then like so if I stepped into a ring now the result would probably be like even better even though I already found like a good amount of success um I think I feel like I would be even better now but um when when is this going to happen? And I mean, I've also like taken a different, a different outlook on the sport. Like, um, I have a life outside of it now. So I am going back to school in September. I can't wait for, so like if, if things open up, put me in. Um, but my priority is school and life outside of this. I do this cause I love it. And like, I love hanging out with you guys. I love working with Sid. I love the community and atmosphere of it. And like, I love just like the grit and I love training. So we'll see what happens, but like, I can't really (laughs) give an answer. Um, I'm going with the flow of things. Yeah. But school is my priority, but like, I'm ready to go. Yeah. that answers without giving a full solid answer. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. Because, well, I mean, none of us can give a full answer right now, right? Just like we said, like, just because of this current situation. But I love that. Yeah. And I think that, like, that's the best place to be, like, you know, whatever happens, we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And when, when we cross that bridge, like, I feel like our team, we're ready. So We're the dream team. Yeah, yeah, we are. Stay, stay ready so we don't have to get ready. Isn't that the saying, the really cheesy saying? Yeah, so <laughs> I like that would go in my really cheesy book. <laughs> You're like, uh, everything's cheesy. Like, no, it's so true. It's, it's why complicate? It's true, but it's cheesy. It's true. Get down yeah. to the raw basics. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Okay. Okay, well, and we'll leave it there. We'll leave it there. I won't run away to Africa again. Yeah, please don't, because I'll... <laughs> You at least take me. I want to see it. <laughs> I would definitely recommend going for a visit. Okay. Okay. So maybe we'll figure something out. Yeah. Well, you know what, Mackenzie? Like, I'm so happy that you came on here today. Thanks for having me. No, this is 
was just amazing. And I hope that, you know, everybody really like tunes into this whole story because it's just phenomenal. No, really like your journey. You, I don't hear these things that often. So this is really cool. And just for other people to hear the perspective of things and like your outlook on the sport and coming back into the sport after such a layoff, like it just kind of shows that it doesn't matter where life takes you. Your calling is your calling. Mm -hmm drawn to those things that you're meant for and that is super important I just love it thanks like I think I mean hopefully it's like anybody's listening to or list like listens to my story um because I know it's kind of all over the place for sure um but like just try different things you know what I mean don't put all your eggs into one basket like try to like you're like oh I don't, I don't want to do this because like because of boxing like boxing's gonna be there like everyone just calm down It'll be there when you're ready. When you're ready, it'll be there for you. <laughs> I love that. And that is like, that is such an important message for everybody to hear. And you're the prime example of that. Look at you, you're on another continent. And then you come back and here you are, part of this dream team. And you're no, ready right? to go. Just whenever, whenever it calls for you, you're ready. I didn't expect that one. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> but but all these things happen. Is that the unexpected, yeah. right? exactly so just roll with the punches <laughs> thank you again so much Mackenzie and thank All you right. everybody for tuning in for this episode of the female fist and if everybody wanted to let's say find you or follow you on your journey and you know going with the flow with you where would they be able to find you uh well my Instagram I don't have Facebook I got off there it's too chaotic um but I'm on Instagram Mackenzie.write it's with two t's but I'm private because the internet's weird. Yeah. Uh, but my picture is me with an elephant, like <laughs> you <need to> find. <laughs> elephant. So that, that, that. Yeah. This, is an, this is an elephant footprint. <laughs> is that actually? Yeah. That's so sick. I, I really want to go to South Africa now. I want to see. I'll bring you. I'll bring you. We'll go. It'll be amazing. Team trip, team fight trip. Like it. <laughs> Thank you again, everybody. If anybody needs to watch more of the episodes of The Female Fist, my Instagram is Scarlett Delgado, S C A R L E T T D E L G A D O. Thank you again for tuning in with us, and we'll see you next week on another episode of The Female Fist. Bye.